Hi guys and welcome to another episode of the STEM podcast. Today we'll be talking about the the topic of genetic engineering and we're joined by a special guest, Mrs. Mrs. Richardson. Uh, So should we kick it off with uh, just generally what it is? Um, So genetic engineering has been around for quite a while um, by putting genes in another organism, making transgenic animals. they used to use various different ways of doing that and it wasn't really very successful. It was only successful maybe less than 1% of the time. Um, there is a new way of um, editing genes or genetically engineering cells and this is through CRISPR-Cas9. Um, so you might have heard of it. It's been in the mm-hmm. news quite a lot. It's on a board outside the biology department. Um, so CRISPR is an acronym and it stands for clustered regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats okay so these are basically parts of dna that uh, repeat over and over again and it's a palindromic sequence that sort of reads the same front to back on the two different strands um crispr process in cas9 comes from bacteria okay so Mm -hmm. bacteria have all these different enzymes that our cells do not have Um, We've been using what we call restriction enzymes that came from bacteria for years to cut DNA at very specific points. So this is just another way um, that bacteria can cut DNA at different points. It basically acts like their immune system. So bacteria, just like us, can get infected by viruses. And the way that viruses work is they insert some of their genetic material into the DNA of their host cell. Okay, so and then the host cell unwittingly copies, reads that DNA and and makes new virus particles. So it happens to um, bacteria um, too. Now, if one of our cells becomes infected with viral DNA, our killer T cells go and hunt it out and they can recognize it and destroy it, destroy the whole cell with the viral DNA inside. Now, bacteria are only one cell, so they can't just take one for the team and destroy themselves because that whole cell will then be gone so they've got these very special mechanisms for just um patrolling their dna looking for this um, viral interloper and cutting it out and removing it okay so that's what we're using it's that process where it can sort of scan the genome and find a specific sequence and that will dictate to it that it's got a viral dna in it so what the um, bacteria does is it has these puts a bit of the viral dna in between these two different repeats of DNA, which are palindromic, they read the same from Mm -hmm. uh, left to right and right to left. And that's the bit that the um, Cas9 proteins recognize. And that's when they attach, and then the Cas9 acts like um, little scissors and then cuts out that viral DNA. (sighs) Okay, and the way they do that is there's a bit of um, RNA within the uh, Cas9 protein complex, which is complementary to the viral DNA. So they find palindromic sequence, and when the um, DNA is complementary to the viral DNA, it then cuts it out. So what we're doing is we're using that mechanism in our cells. And instead of cutting out some viral DNA, we're gonna cut out um, a gene that is mutated and caused a disease mm. and perhaps replace it with a healthy version of that one. So that's the idea behind it. So to what extent do you think um, this is applicable to humans? Because it's been done like many times on, um, like you said, bacteria or um, 
mosquitoes like recently like to what extent can you do it on humans because um like will it impact other um what do you call it like um uh, i can't remember what it's called um things you that you carry out in um a human body like such as i don't know like breathing or whatever like how how can it impact that like processes yeah, yeah. Processes, so that's the word <laughs> What you can do is you can um, cut out a single nucleotide. It can be that specific. Now, there are actually genetic conditions that are caused by a single nucleotide. They're called SMP, single nucleotide replacement or point. Um, and if you could just cut out that part of the sequence, then that's what's caused the actual genetic disease. Um, oh, okay. So a lot of diseases are sort of multifactorial, so they'll have loads of different genes and alleles that are, are causing it as well as environmental so we're looking at certain conditions which we know are controlled by one gene we can easily modify that gene if you want it to stop a disease occurring you have to um manipulate it at the embryonic stage at the fertilized egg stage because oh. otherwise not all the cells will have it in the body yeah, yeah. Um, there's two types of sort of therapy. There's somatic cell therapy, which is just a normal body cell. And if you do change a normal body cell DNA, that won't be passed down to the next generation. And then there's germline, which is where you're actually modifying the gametes. And if the gametes are modified or the cells that produce the gametes, then that change will pass on to the next generation and the next generation. And you will forever have changed human evolution mm -hmm. if you yeah. do germline therapy. Oh, right. So yeah, it's it's huge potential for just eradicating certain genetic diseases, mm. but you'd have to do it at the fertilized egg stage. So then you've got the idea of genetically engineering embryos or, or fertilized eggs, and what effects when you make the change? Then that's then going to be passed on forever. That's going to be a permanent change in he human evolution. So there's um, currently no way of. Uh, I guess changing the genetics of say an embryo and then that not being passed on and passed on and passed on. Yeah, well we could do it. So say if it was a problem with white blood cells like a leukemia, yeah. you could actually take the stem cells out of the blood, right? genetically alter them, put them back in. And that would just... And then all the other blood cells would then be healthy that they produce, but that would just be in the okay. blood. So it depends. Some diseases have manifestations in lots of different parts of your body. Yeah. So you'd have to do genetically change each part of the body. Which is time consuming. Yeah, and, and yeah. expensive. Difficult. So you'd have to do it early on. Um, there's a lot of ethics to do with it because for years, the fact that we're here in this point recording a podcast is <laughs> in the fact it's so brilliant because it's natural selection random mutations and natural selection a couple of thousand years ago maybe like fifteen thousand years ago we started selectively breeding so it was no longer natural selection it was artificial selection but the mm -hmm. the random mutations the genetic code was still random but now we're going to move away from both natural selection and random mutations and we're creating the mutations so it's a huge step forward yeah, step you forward. can't go back from it really i don't think once you start doing it but there are there are also good things about it so there's a chance for like progressing fighting cancer and they've got a lot of clinical trials but there's also limitations on crispr technology and can you tell us anything about 
Um, as I say, the limitations are mostly whereby if you're not doing it at a fertilised egg stage, you'd have to be, redo it. So you sort of, you replace your lung cells once every eight years. So if you try to, um, you basically need to deliver the CRISPR-Cas9 system within an empty virus particle. You could maybe um, deliver that in terms of a aerosol that you breathe in. Those, lo those lung cells would then be genetically changed, perhaps with cystic fibrosis, because that is just one allele that causes that. Um, but then because you replace your lung cells once every eight years, eight years you need to do it again. So it's like, mm -hmm. if you're not actually changing the stem cells that produce the lung cells, you're gonna have to redo it over and over again. So multiple applications probably is a limitation. Um, it's only gonna work for conditions that we know what the cause is and we know the cause is generally one allele um so that's another limitation the other thing is once the technology is out there how can you stop people misusing it, it um obviously it's experimental do we want to use it on humans yet what's that so we said mosquitoes daniel you yeah. said that they were looking to genetically engineer mosquitoes so that they can't transmit malaria i presume yeah okay. yeah it was yeah pretty much that because they released um like um large population of mosquitoes in a town in somewhere in, i think it was florida and then the point of that was to like you said like reduce a disease i think it was malaria yeah mm. and then um they're currently still testing that now but so far the results are looking promising um, they have done it with pigs as well oh, i think yeah, they're to, to change a gene for the expression of a, a protein on the surface of the pig so that it's now human protein rather than a pig protein and then you could use pig hearts because mm, they won't right. be rejected so that's yeah. that's other options that are out there i guess the question these things sort of pose is when do we stop uh if we keep genetically modifying everything to make I guess sort of a perfect human or a perfect pig when do we stop doing that and when does it sort of become I guess just making robots well um I was like Star Wars when I was a, a teenager and they had the yeah. clone army in that yeah. which is a clone oh, yeah. but they're actually genetically engineered if I don't know if you are we Star Wars fans here uh, yeah. there's a little um, line where he says we've engineered them to be more docile to grow faster right so you could see some sort of megalomaniac dictator producing an army of people that were like super strong and yeah. you know mm. it's not it's science fiction it would be some sort of really good 80s film but it's actually <laughs> it's not outside the realms of possibility that that yeah. could get like that at the moment though it'd be things like i don't know if you've ever seen a belgian blue cow or a you know, there's a certain allele which um if there's a genetic change in it which has occurred naturally every muscle is double the size um, so if they could then ge genetically engineer um, animals to have that mutation, you would have more meat production. The farm would make more money yeah. or you could feed our growing population. You can make rice plants so that they are have a higher resistant to salt or seawater. So all that land that normally gets flooded by the sea is now usable for agriculture. So it has amazing potential. Um, and these mutations have already naturally occurred right mm. so we're not making creating anything brand new but as i say if you say right we'll have given permission for these what's to stop people then exactly going yeah. away there was um, a do, does anyone know about the scientist that's been jailed the one in uh, oh, yeah, china. china 
Yeah. Yeah. Do we know what he did? Um, like didn't he edit like a ba- two babies um, tear cells at the end of their on the end of their cells that um, HIV stopped them from getting HIV? Yeah. So we know the gene that is responsible for the pre- receptor protein which HIV binds to. We've already identified that. So basically, just caused a mutation with CRISPR-Cas9 so that that protein was the wrong shape or the wrong structure, so HIV couldn't bind to it. So therefore, therefore, these two girls can't be infected with HIV, mm. which seems actually quite a noble enterprise. But he did it without ethical permission. Mm, maybe someone, he, someone yeah. must have financed it, you know. Yeah, um, but now he's in prison. But I think he didn't. I think there was just a conference where people were publishing the work, and he was just like, "Oh, I've done this to all his sort of contemporaries." They're like, "You've done what?" And he just came out with yeah, it, and then out. and then they looked into it, and he had actually done it. He said that there was two girls that had been born, and there was another one that was developing that he'd sort of created. Indeed. So I don't know how we feel about this. Mm. How do we feel about it? I think. Well, I thought someone else was well, uh, editing editing someone without the permission, uh, and it was against the law. And they currently ha- don't they have like a ban on anyone pl- um, editing human genomes like yeah there right is now. a ban at the moment yeah but uh, what he did wasn't in its set like the what he was aiming for stopping HIV was a noble noble cause but how he did it was obviously wrong mm. Mm. what do you think Daniel I think I mean it is for a good cause obviously because it's getting rid uh, rid of the um, the expression gene for like um, developing HIV but there's obviously, was it his children though? Because if you're, oh you're no, finding... there was some donor eggs that oh, someone right. just gave away the egg cells. He used IVF, edited the uh, embryos, yeah, uh, the the fertilized eggs. Had a a surrogate mother who had them implanted. Were they coerced? Were they paid? And then so, but then these obviously girls don't know that they were. Do they have parents? Yeah. What's yeah. happened to the girls? Are they in an orphanage? Because they don't technically have a... If they were just from donor egg or... Mm. Do they have parents to look after them? Like, So you're creating these parentless children that have been modified. Bit what, of a scary if, situation. If they were like genetically engineered, would their biological parents still be their biological parents if their um, genes, not all of their genes, come from their both of their parents then? We're talking about very minor changes. We're talking about, you know, there's like yeah. trillions of bases in a, in a human genome. We're talking about 100 maximum in yeah, one gene, maybe. So, yeah, they'll still have biological parents. But, you know, the people that go and donate sperm isn't there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they might not know that they're a father of this so genetically many, engineered yeah. child. It's it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's once, once the... Um, the methodology is out there and it's been trialed and there's success how do you stop it being abused yeah. and it is changing the course of evolution yeah I, yeah i guess we're sort of interfering with evolution and it's it's worked it's worked up to this point and yeah as soon as we start doing these little things we'll start doing bigger things and bigger things and soon that that is a question of how it progressed because right now they're doing clinical trials to see whether they can cure inherited diseases, whether they can make things that can fight cancer, that kind of thing. So they say eventually they develop it and they can cure inherited diseases. So they screen every baby in a hospital and then who don't inherit that disease, they um they cure. But then once if the parents want other changes to be made, 
You know, they want their kid to be taller, or they want a different jeans. Not that don't, don't have to wear glasses. You know, yeah. Yeah. twenty like, twenty vision. How much right do the parents have to decide what the kid should or should have? Should we just leave it alone? Should we only cure diseases and not do anything else with well, jeans? There is a film. It's called Gattaca. It's a bit, bit of an old film now, but they—that's what happened on there. And it actually, to have a child, not, no one had children, sort of naturally. Um, it does take, you know, everyone would have to have IVF. It wouldn't be just like the natural way of making babies, yeah. um, we all sort of imagine. But um, once you've decided that you are going to do it for, say, I don't know, progeria. I don't know if you've heard about progeria. It's like this weird aging disease where they sort of look like a wizened old person when they're only about five or something. Oh, yeah. Um, once you've then used it for debilitating conditions that not only cost the NHS lots, but the, the person is in suffering, like horrible pain or like it's a horrible hard life for them, you'd say, right, yes, we're going to use it to cure them or so that people don't have this condition. We can just eliminate this genetic condition, pretend it never evolved, pretend that mm. mutation never happened. Um, yeah, where do you draw the line? But there's got to be funding yeah. People would have to pay a lot of money to get a genetically engineered embryo, wouldn't they? Well, right now, but the cost of technology always go down. You know, we that's saw that true. That's true. Yeah. So, um, so the cost will undoubtedly go. So the cost will undoubtedly go down in the future. Mm. And once it gets to that point when anyone can pay for their child to be anywhere they want, you know, we're going to see certain parts of the human um, species eradicated. You know, certain mutations, certain types of genes. Mm. You know, so we'll have a loss of variation, wouldn't we? Yeah. Which could just be even worse when, if the diseases are targeted towards certain groups like genes. Yeah, well, generally, it'll hopefully be the less ad advantageous ones that'll be lost, but we will have less variation probably in the human race. But I feel like it's going to happen naturally anyway, but it's just to be a shorter period of time. If we now we're totally connected by airlines and like thought and schools i think the whole of the human race prob probably just turn into some homogenous group of people that are all the same over but it'd happen over a much longer period of time mm. um i'm i'm thinking basically 250 years we can have like super armies of um, genetic engineered soldiers that's the idea although we wouldn't need soldiers anymore would you we? no, just have nukes then, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. cyber Sorry. attacks and yeah. things that, that that's mm. we wouldn't need them but yeah so it is scary to think that this could totally change the course of evolution but are we not a product of evolution yeah it's true yeah yeah that, that is a good point. And it's our, it's our advancement. Is this just naturally how things would happen? So it's the next step. Of, it's not changing evolution, but it's the next step of evolution. You've created yeah. this organism. Evolution has created an organism which is able to change the course of evolution itself. Feels like a Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. I suppose it also brings into question, like, some people with religious beliefs, they could argue that anyone who is genetically engineering the person, no matter what it's for, do they kind of have the power of God in a sense? As mm. they are basically dictating everything about a baby to be. Mm. So what do you think about that? Yeah, well, the many religious groups wouldn't want you to be um, interfering with a, a fertilized egg in any way would they because as soon as that egg is fertilized it is a life it can't give consent 
So it probably would cause a lot of issues with getting agreement and funding for it. Um, it's, you know, who are the people that pay the politicians and donate money to the politician party? Yeah. They're the ones that are going to have sway over what the laws will be. But it's definitely the future and has the power to do so much good and eliminate these mistakes that have happened that have caused a lot of suffering. Um, but there just has to be regulations there. But I feel like there's always going to be someone that might bend the rules. Yeah. yeah. I think I mean, quite recently I heard uh, they've developed a pesticide, sort of coming off the human topic, mm. um, a pesticide, an RNA uh, sort of molecule that they spray on certain crops and the RNA is genetically, I guess, programmed to interfere with certain like genes in, I think, I think it's two uh, different like animals, different, what was it like? Yeah, little pests, yeah. little insects. Um, so it just kills those off and the crops are safe for us to eat. So we're not, we're not mm. using and some chemical pesticides which and could the interfere rest of with the, us. Um, the rest of the biodiversity, the, all the other um, invertebrates are not harmed as well. Exactly. You'd have, yeah, to, yeah, you'd yeah. have to pick like a specific gene that only those pests have or, or allele that only they have. Yeah. But yeah, it's much more targeted. I think as we, we got bogged down with the humans because it is very sort of exciting and sci <laughs> uh, sci-fi. Yeah. Um, but the, it can have so much, you know, potential in food production and, you know, other ways of making our lives easier but yeah any way where we can protect the biodiversity um i was listening to something there's someone called nessa carey and she's a science communicator she's written quite a lot of books about epigenetics and genetics and she's one called, one called hacking the code i think about crispr and she said um we come along and we sort of destroy ecosystems and we overpopulate and we create waste. And then instead of like just maybe changing our behavior in some way to make a bit more respectful um, to the other species, we just science our way out of things. Yeah. <laughs> so it. this is just, this is our sciencing our way out of the food production problems yeah. or the monoculture problems that we've got. So when we sort of just grow one crop <clears throat> it totally reduces the biodiversity of the area and we have these monocultures and that's causing a huge problem we're losing species so it is a way of sciencing our way out of things we could just sort of you know use other biological ways of um treating pests like introducing toads or something to eat all mm, the yeah. insects up but um yeah, what's the point of science if you can't science your way out of things, though? <laughs> yeah. That's the best fit, isn't it? Get yourself in a pickle and science your way out of it. Yeah, so changing yourself, uh, yourself you change the things around you to <laughs> yeah. suit yourself. So we can still, yeah. you know, consume loads of nice things and, mm. and make technologies that make our lives easier and more exciting and fun. Yeah, yeah. like climate change or the plastic pollution problem. Um, well, Oh, uh, there was something I found pretty interesting was this guy um, is a YouTuber but he does like a lot of um, biological experiments and stuff and he's lactose intolerant mm. so what he did was um, there was this um, he literally downloaded um, a genetic uh, DNA sequence of uh, what do you call it um, this virus and the virus was like specifically um, 
program that he downloaded off and then programmed it onto the virus. Then he injected himself in um, with it. And then that thing like attached to, him, uh, attached to his small intestine where it produces like um, uh, lactase, which digests lactose, obviously. And then instead of him producing it, he got the virus to like produce it instead. And that made him um, like... Well, yeah. able to digest lactose for like i don't know it was like six to nine months or something i think with lactose intolerance it's not the lactase gene itself that mm-hmm. people who it's like one of the other genes that um, produces a protein or codes for protein which then turns the lactase gene on and off is actually where you get the lactose intolerance oh, from right, okay. but um yeah well there's lots of bacteria in our microbiome that actually they have genes for certain, they can make like vitamin K and things, or they can digest cellulose because they produce cellulose that we can't. So yeah. I guess it, that's an artificial way of introducing new substances in your bio, uh, in your body by allowing a different organism to make them. But yeah, it's, it's easily done. What with the um, Moderna and oh, yeah. is the Pfizer one as well, the mRNA? It's yeah. getting that yeah. simple now that we can just deliver. We know the more we sequence DNA, the more we know what each part of that genetic code codes for, the more that we can use that and in, in a much more targeted way. Mm. Like the um, Tom said about treating cancer. If you want your killer T cells to attack and kill a cancer cell, it needs to have a receptor which is complementary to an antigen on the cancer cell. What can you do? You can just gene edit the DNA so that it now produces the protein receptor that is complementary to the cancer antigen. Job done. And T cells will kill them off one by one in a very specific targeted way, as opposed to let's inject all this poison into me that's gonna kill all my cells or radiotherapy, you know, cutting large chunks of tissue out, loads of healthy tissue as well. If you engineer those T cells, they will just pinpoint the actual cancer cells and leave all the other cells alone it's, it's you know and that seems like relatively simple to do just take your blood out take some white blood cells genetically engineer them inject them back in i think that's that's so, where i would like to see it going first i think and mm. why aren't we doing that yet is it ethical problems or are we just um, not to just not have the technology yet to make it cheap enough i think there is something called cart t um cart therapy which um is involving t-cells but um i think it's not quite using casper uh, crispr cas9 yet right um i guess we're still in sort of um, research stage and it would mm, be human yeah. cells it's much easier to get approval for um a plant cell or you know yeah um to to, to research on i think i'm trying to think of what the sickle cell is actually what they're trying to target first because that is just one allele okay and i think it is a so it's recessive so you have to have two mutated alleles to actually have the bad symptoms so they'd only have to change one this is another thing you have two copies of every gene in every cell so you've got to change both of them but with sickle cell you could just change one copy and they'd stop getting the um the symptoms but not all of them would work so you might only be able to change 30% of the cells, but that would still lead to a reduction in, in yeah. symptoms. But I think sickle cell is the first disease that they're doing quite a lot of work on at the moment. Mm. 
And all of this just seems like so dystopian because how easily you can just change something if there wasn't the limit of the law or ethical issues like almost everyone could be changing i don't know their pet they like the a dog that they buy or um some other pet or plant or whatever or even themselves like just just from um downloading something or like um buying something so easy now like i guess it would it, it would almost be like a like a dog supermarket choose your best dog and we'll yeah. <laughs> We'll make it for I think with the religious angle, though, like, I don't know, my experience in the Methodist church, that you're made in God's image and, and that kind of yeah. thing, that you're like mm -hmm. this precious, unique thing, but we're almost treating things as commodities that can be improved exactly. and enhanced to uh, make more profit. And, and where do we draw the line? Probably not even at people. You know, yeah. how can we make this pig more productive? How can we make it sure that it has it's better able to fight viruses to, so we can cut down our costs or it can, I think I read something that they struggle with the cold and they die in the cold quite a lot. Oh yeah. So how can we commit and they live outside? We don't want to lose any pigs because that's a, um, a waste of money. So how can we engineer them? So it's seeing things as commodities rather than as their own sentient beings that, you know, have a right to exist. Yeah. Well, um, well, it was a pretty interesting podcast to you uh, with having you today on the podcast, but I think that's all we got time for today. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here as well. Uh, thank you for listening, and that's a STEM podcast. Bye. Bye. Thank you.